This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. To all the people out there, to toda la gente, this is Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers have their say. I'm your guest host, Rodrigo Bravo Jr. I'm filling in for Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante, and author of the book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And even though Tony may not be here, ya sabes que le damos esquina al Libro Traficante and continue talking about cultivating cultural community capital. We, of course, want to thank all of our listeners and you might be listening right now first via our live stream where we broadcast to various social media platforms like YouTube or Facebook, even Twitter now. This video, though, also appears on Fox26Houston.com. We appreciate our allies there who promote our work. And then the audio version, our first platform, 90.1 KPFT, that's our first platform. And, of course, I have to pause there because I want to remind our listeners that we hope that you can budget a donation to KPFT in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers have their say, so that we can do our part to keep this great experiment in freedom of speech going. We want to make sure that we can always put together shows like this, our terms on our terms. Of course, we're also high-tech Aztecs, or in my case, Wi-Fi Chichimecas. So there's also a version that will appear on your favorite podcast streaming platform, like Spotify, Apple, Google. You can also find us all our past episodes there as well. Folks, Juneteenth is coming up, and we have two community superstars who want to make sure literacy is part of the celebration by making sure our people have a choice in both the books they read and where and who they purchase from. I want to welcome two book barons who are changing lives one page at a time. At a moment in time when our books are being marginalized, discouraged, and even banned, it's crucial that we support these book traffickers to ensure we continue our self-determination in our education. And just like Tony says, our terms on our terms. I want to go ahead and welcome our guests on the show right now, David and Dara Landry from Class Bookstore, as well as Jesus Cosme, King Abel. How y'all doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? Good. Happy to be here. Peace. I, I am so happy that y'all are here as well. We've met each other in different areas, but when Tony and I met both of y'all, we both knew Man, this is something special. We got to get them on the show because literacy is so important, especially right now. Like I mentioned before, books are being marginalized and they're even being banned. And who are the ones that are being uh, targeted? It's BIPOC folks, it's black authors, it's trans authors, queer authors, uh, people of color. The histories that we write, the, you know, the education that we want to provide for our people is being shunned. And we know what's at play here. But before we get to all that and get all, you know, whatnot, let's talk about the good stuff. All right. Let's talk about the stories that we have here. All right. And first, I want to go ahead and introduce David and, and Dara and talk about Class Bookstore and the journey that they're going through. I'm going to go ahead and read their bio and then they'll tell us a little bit more. Uh, Class Bookstore is where knowledge meets fashion and community is born. Class was founded by two book lovers, David and Dara Landry who both sought to bring together their love for reading and fashion while filling a void in their community as a Black-owned bookstore. Believing that the acquisition of knowledge can transform generations, they set out on a journey to not just build a bookstore, 
but to create a culture for people who love discovery. Oh my God, I love that already. I mean, come on, yeah. In their pursuit to find out how to bring this to fruition, they were able to gather the elements of what they believe it takes to foster the creation of class bookstores. Consistency, credibility, collaboration, and creativity. First off, again, I, we met just recently at the BIPOC Book Festival, which is a great celebration of BIPOC authors, uh, some fantastic people that are running that festival. And when we met, I saw your display. I saw the, the books that you, you, you had on display. And it was so beautiful because I said, man, I love it when people are promoting cultura and, you know, when they're promoting culture. I just read a little bit of the history of your bio. Tell us a little bit more. How did this idea come about in your bio, consistency, credibility, collaboration, and creativity? Tell us a little bit more about that and why it's so important for y'all. 2015, we read an article in uh, on the internet about the fall of the Black-owned bookstore in America. And at that time, there were a little bit... Uh, there was a little bit of a chaotic thing going on. 39 Black-owned bookstores in the entire United States. And that number was declining. And uh, I remember Dara turning to me and saying, yo, we got to do something about it. And I agreed. And we started traveling. You know, my wife and I, we always love to travel, go different places. And, um, you know, one of the first places we went to was L.A. And uh, shouts out to Iso Wan, uh, one of our who, uh, mentors that we look to in this book selling industry. Um, they really dropped a lot of wisdom on us. Yeah, agree. And even to take it back just a little further, uh, we have always just been lovers of books uh, independently. When we met, we actually met in a bookstore. <laughs> David was working at a bookstore. Uh, and so bookstores have just been part of our story. Uh, from the beginning and so we've always been um, lovers of books and reading and things like that and so in 2015 once we started traveling and set out from there to 2020 we were trying to kind of map out a plan and figure out could we do this and in February 2020 we were like we're opening a bookstore there is nothing that's going <laughs> to stop us from opening a bookstore and then March 2020 happened and mm. And the week we started our small business program, we went into lockdown and we were like, okay, when we could have gotten discouraged, um, we decided that we were starting our bookstore. And in November, 2020, we modified our plan and opened our bookstore online and mobile. We delivered to homes and we just figured it out. But we opened that bookstore in 2020 and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Yeah. And we're fortunate enough to get a brick and mortar, a physical location, December 2022. That is amazing. First of all, finding love at the bookstore. Okay? Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. But, but I've, I read a book. And a, my friend and I had just graduated from college. And we were trying to figure out we wanted boyfriends. And we read a book that was like a great place to meet guys as a bookstore. Shout out. I need to find that book. I think I still have it. But it was the best tip, best advice I ever got. I love that. What what a beautiful origin story there for y'all. And and oh my God, the pandemic really did have an effect for you. There are so many businesses that we've spoken to that that uh that have been affected by the pandemic. And the fact that y'all were able to say, you know, take the cur really courage and say, you know what, we're not gonna let this stop us. We're gonna figure it out. That just goes to show the resiliency that folks, you know, that we have, you know, say that black and brown people, we have to have that resiliency. We yeah. can't just give up and just say, like, 
well, we'll just wait because we don't have that generational wealth. We don't have that resources sometimes, right? We got to keep going, keep grinding, keep going. And so it's so beautiful to see that and for y'all to go ahead and, and, and make that happen. Now, I know that y'all just opened up a brick and mortar location, correct? Right. Tell us a little bit more about that transition from what y'all were doing to a brick and mortar, because that's a big step. And not only that, it, it, it can be intimidating. It can be intimidating going from something that's maybe a little bit more flexible and you can go here and this and that to saying, like, hey, we're going to set plant. We're going to put our roots right here yeah. and yeah. try to build out from there. Tell us a little bit more about that. So we knew we wanted to have a brick and mortar shop. The problem was the location and the money. <laughs> Having that seed money to really get started and plant, as you said, your roots somewhere. And we were really trying to figure it out because, you know, my wife, she grew up in Missouri City. I grew up in Fifth Ward. Both of those neighborhoods have very close ties to our hearts. And so we wanted some place because, you know, growing up, you're like, man, I want to be able to go to a bookstore, be able to get up in the morning and go there and read and, you know, interact with the community. Um, but problem was we couldn't find spaces there. And if we did find a space, it, it wasn't the right price. So um, so it was important for us to have that. But the transition, as you said, um, we still love meeting people. And so it, it was for us, it was imperative for us to be able to do these pop-ups, do these markets, because it allows us to, to quickly meet people. Um, but one of the main questions all of them would ask is, Where's your brick and mortar? <laughs> yes. If only y'all had a brick and mortar. I mean, people were just, that was like the one thing that they just, um, I, I hated feeling like it, but it did feel like we needed a physical location to legitimize us. That's It's not true, but it did very much feel like people needed a physical place, an address or something to be able to take us seriously uh, as a bookstore. Uh, and we... We were, I remember one weekend we were sitting at a friend's house and I was like, man, what are we going to do to get this money? We go, we got to start. What are we going to, we got to figure something out. Cause like you say, we don't, we don't have a, a father that we could borrow a million, million dollar, dollar loan, loan. <laughs> you know, a, a modest million dollar loan from. And, and we all understand in our communities, you know, you, you get it out the month. That's just how you figure it out. And we were approached by a friend randomly when we were doing something else, a friend of ours uh, had space and yeah. he was looking to use his space to kind of create money for a ministry that he was running. And so he was like, I have this space. It's not much, but if y'all want to use this as your bookstore and you want to, you know, make this, we were talking about doing a pop-up there, but he was like, how about y'all rent the space out for me? He's like, I just need this much. And it was a super reasonable price um, to be able to support a ministry that I'm running. And we were like, we would love to help you support this nonprofit and we would absolutely love uh, to have physical location. And so a five-year plan uh, got fast routed <laughs> to a two-year plan really quickly. That's exactly the type of support that you want to see in the community uh, of folks like ourselves, black and brown communities. Often we have to struggle with that because we're always dealing with that kind of uh, uh, imposter syndrome or wondering, are we really, can we do this? Can we do this and that? But what a beautiful example that y'all are showing that yes, you can do it. 
perseverance going through and really just blessings on that. So we're going to continue talking with y'all as well, but I do want to introduce our next, our, our next guest as well. That's going to be in conversation with us. That is Jesus Abel Cosme. He's a bookseller and owner of King Abel's here in San Antonio, Texas. And prior to selling books, Cosme sold handmade jewelry, accessories, and apparel under the name of Just Co's Designs. He designed King Abel around 2018, and it was then that he decided to change the direction he was going business-wise and started selling books. Since then, he's been advocating for literacy and history, primary Latin and African-American history. The majority of the books he sells revolve around that, culture and history. He sells books for all ages and anyone curious, interested enough to learn history outside of what's being taught in school. Kudos to that. The books he sells are for a minimum of $5 donation, but he's never going to deny anybody knowledge. The goal is not to get rich from selling books, although profit is nice, but to strive primarily to promote literacy and educate as many people as possible. want to welcome to the show Jesus A. Cosme, King Abel. All right. Jesus, I got, uh, you know, we, we just gave you your bio right now. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about you coming through with the idea, and especially because you made it a point of emphasis there in your bio that you had, hey, I got to change my business model. I, I want to aspire to do something a little bit bigger. Tell us a little bit about, you know, before and then coming to that decision and what led to that decision. What Tell us a little bit more about that. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, prior to being a bookseller, I was doing jewelry and accessories and whatnot. Then I got into shirt printing, printing t-shirts with my sister. And, uh, you know, we were doing shirts here and there, your common stuff, you know, little little quotes or whatnot, you know, themes that were going on at the time. Uh, but in that thought, I was like, you know what? I want to make a character to do something different with. So I created King Abel in about around 2018 or so. Started doing shirts with little quotes, you know, with him on it and stuff, revolutionary quotes and whatnot. But and then I was like, you know what? I want to take it a step further. So I started selling books along with my merch, uh, used books at first. And uh, so, yeah, I incorporated that and started getting more into book selling uh, from then. And I've been selling books since about 2019, I want to say. At first, I was selling them for half cover of the book pri- uh, of the cover price. And then I decided I had, I had seen or read an article about uh, like a couple of business models that were selling their products for donations. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that with my books, you know, because I feel, you know, people like to read, but sometimes they don't want to pay, you know, full cover or e- even half, you know, the cover price. So I figured if I give them the opportunity to name their price, you know, with a minimum of five dollars, uh, that they would the, the likelihood of them purchasing the the book and actually reading it would increase, and it actually worked. It, you know, people started selling a lot more books, demand and whatnot uh, started to increase. So I'm very pleased with that. What what a great story! Now, when I first met you, Jesus, we were actually this was after one of the author series that we have at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center mm-hmm. in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Tony Diaz is the literary curator of the Latino bookstore at the Guadalupe. And we have a featured speaker every second Friday of the month. 
and we bring them in. You know, we do a reading, poetry, talk about the books and feature the author there at the bookstore. And we had a great session at that time. We left that session and we went to Hyman's place. Mm-hmm. And so for folks that are listening right now, uh, whether on the podcast or on the FM broadcast, Hyman's place is on the west side of San Antonio. And it's a little get down. All right. That's what it is. They play cool <laughs> music. They can play oldies, you know, all that good stuff. Right. And they had a craft section there and kind of a seller's market, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Tony and I were talking about, man, wouldn't it be cool if somebody was selling books here? And, you know, we're like, nah, nobody can sell books. And there is Jesus. We, we turn around like 10 steps. And there's Jesus with his stand with everything there, King Abel on full display. And we said, oh, my God, we rushed over there. And, uh, oh, my God, fell in love with what you're doing, Jesus. And, and really tell us about the King Abel character. Because, look, I purchased some of your pins. I gave them out. I <laughs> love them. They say, you know, I, I love the character, especially the one that says the button yeah, that says, read me, read me an MF book. And and, uh, and and I love it because it just speaks to our culture, right? Hey, give me a damn book. Leame un libro. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful. What gave I mean, you the inspiration it, it, to that? Um, <laughs> actually, it, uh, it's a song I heard. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, it's a song I heard, and like I said, you know, I was I was selling books at the time, and it just so happened it, it, I heard it, and like as I mentioned, I already had my character, and I wanted to incorporate that with uh, the bookstore, and you know, make them the face of the bookstore. So, so as I mentioned, you know, I started making shirts with with uh, my character. Uh, Malcolm X quotes, you know, Martin Luther King quotes, uh, Bob Marley quotes, you know, just positive and uh, like revolutionary quotes. Um, so I, I heard that song, you know, reading the MF book and I was like, this is perfect. You know, it just goes hand in hand with what I'm doing. So I kind of ran with it in my character. Yeah. What's up, y'all? <laughs> this is your boy, D. Mike. You see, I usually do songs with like Hooks and concepts, right? I'm trying to go platinum. Somebody go rock this. Check this out, y'all. Uh. Read a book, read a book, read them up. That's a great story and what you're doing, especially in the city of San Antonio, it's definitely needed. I feel like there's a void there mm-hmm. that needs to be filled. And so uh, speaking, especially from a Latino that's in the city that's majority Latino, I know that a lot of times some voices get lost in that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when it comes to like Afro-Latinidad, when it comes to black uh, 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 culture there in San Antonio, sometimes it gets a little lost in the whole midst of the Mexicanidad and the Dexmex mm-hmm. and all that stuff, you know. I, I know that uh, um, when, when it comes to culture and books and whatnot, we often kind of forget that, hey, there's other places because this applies to everybody. When we learn about oh, yeah. other people's cultures, we really nourish our soul. We get to know other people as well. You know, and I'm going to go ahead and add David and Dara to the conversation as well because I think this is why it's so important that we highlight both of y'all because the work that y'all are doing in the community right now is so critical, especially right now 
that our books are being targeted. I'll go with Jesus first. But how do you feel as a bookseller, as a POC, as a black bookseller, you know, be, be seeing this where books are being banned and where our, our stories are often said, hey, they're too controversial. Maybe we shouldn't tell them. How do you feel about that? And, and, and how does that, you know, kind of play in line with your mission as a bookseller, Jesus? Well, let me add to uh, earlier my, my story and my character and whatnot. So I had a teacher in high school. Uh, you know, we were in class and we were joking around, you know, high school students, you know, not paying attention and whatnot. And it was an African-American teacher. And, uh, you know, he was sitting and said, settle down and, you know, that we have to learn, you know, what he's teaching. And uh, I believe he said he wasn't he wasn't from Texas or San Antonio in particular. And he was like, you know, your city is so rich in history and y'all don't even know the half of it. You know, I'm trying to teach y'all something. Look at your street names, Culera, Wurzbach, things like that, you know, German names and for streets and whatnot. And he's like, y'all really need to learn y'all's history. So that that was another thing that always stuck with me is us as minorities or people of color not knowing our history because a lot of it was erased, taken away. You know, we weren't allowed to learn it. So that that was another critical point for me to do what I'm doing so that we can learn our history. You know, like you said, Afro-Latinidad, you know, African-American, Latinos, our history didn't start with slavery. It was way beyond that. You know, so um, it's just I, I just feel it's very important for us to get connected with our roots and know our history. When I see all this book banning and whatnot, it, 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 it infuriates me because it's just another form of them taking away our education, or our knowledge of our of our past. definitely takes away from our self-determination and our self-education when we can't read the books that are written by us. And and, and I, I love what you just said right now, that history didn't, African-American and Black history didn't start when slavery started. No, it started way before that. And it also is not just history, slavery. You know, oftentimes our peoples, uh, you know, Black and Brown people, we're often defined by our struggle. You know, the mm -hmm. movies that we see are always you know, us struggling through something and fighting mm -hmm. through something. There's a lot of joy, a lot of victory, a lot of celebration in our culturas and our histories, but it's often not shown. Why? Because it's suppressed. We're, we're like you said, Jesus. A lot of times we're taught that no, y'all, y'all, there's, you know, it's 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 always <laughs> pain and suffering, and y'all don't have a lot of victories and this and that. Hell no, we we do, and that's why it's so important for us. To really talk about that. And I know David and Daryl were nodding and snapping their fingers when you were talking. <laughs> Go ahead, jump in, jump in, tell us. Yeah, no, we absolutely agree. Um, and when you said that, uh, our history not starting with slavery, when David and I wanted to set out on this quest, there are so many books that we owned, had access to, that were not just general knowledge that people didn't, they weren't selling them at Barnes and Noble, they weren't selling them at uh, other independent, you know, uh, bookstores. And we we saw a void uh, missing. And so a lot of people, um, it was really interesting. We went to a conference and we talked about how majority of the books we sell 
are nonfiction. We have a lot of nonfiction, which is very rare for an independent bookstore. Um, most people, uh, fiction is what people feel runs the market. But I feel that for, we feel that for BIPOC, for Black folks, Indigenous people of color, Latinos, uh, all the, we want to know our history. It's important, not, it's a part of us that is missing the, the ugly, the beautiful, all of it. And, um, so for us, that was really important. So when we see the censorship and just everything, Texas, Texasine right now, <laughs> <laughs> all the things that they're trying to do, um, it is, it, it's hard. But it's also, uh, it puts a battery in our back as renegades because we know we're doing something good because they're trying to stop us from giving out the knowledge. So we like, we must be on the right, right track because we are annoying people. We are making people nervous and we live for that every day. When, when the folks yes. are uncomfortable, that means we're on the right path. Right. And so we just go keep running it in their backs. We go keep running it up the flagpole every time and so yeah to hear other booksellers to know that it's happening in other places and we have comrades in it it's encouraging because it's like yeah we got to get out here and get our people this knowledge you know that's what we're trying mm -hmm. to do nickname is El Libro Traficante, the book traffic. And, and, and look, folks, you know, to everybody in the audience right now, th this is not hyperbole. Back in Arizona, 2010, they actually passed laws banning Mexican-American history. And, and they said, no, you cannot teach these courses. And what did Tony and the Libro Traficantes do? They literally took a caravan of books and drove it into and smuggled these books into Arizona. Now, Tony and the team, and, and they, they didn't just do that, but they also worked with legislators and they proved the case. And eventually that law got overturned. So this is not just something that we're making up or it's a fantasy or somebody could say, oh, that'll never happen. It's happened. And in fact, it's happening now. We just found out that one of our comrades, the Texas Poet Laureate for 2022, Lupe, Lupe Mendez, exactly, yeah. Lips Mendez, his book... Why I Am Like Tequila was banned along with other black and brown authors and, Bi and BIPOC authors and LGBTQ authors was recently banned at several schools in North Texas. And so this is happening right in front of our eyes. And as both of y'all have mentioned, whenever they try to suppress our history, it's because we're on the right track. It's because they don't want us to know our history. Why, why did you pick the third ward? You know, because that, that right there, it's outside of TSU campus. And there's U of H is right there, TSU, uh, Yates High School is right there. Why Why the third ward? Why was that the location y'all picked? Man, to be quite honest, the location picked us straight mm. up. You know, like I said earlier, we, you know, talked about Northside. We talked about Acres Homes. We talked about Independence Heights, uh, Mo City, Pearland. But when, you know, the homie pulled up on us and, and was like, yo, like, I got this opportunity. I got this space for you. It was perfect. And now when we tell people where we at, they're like, man, that's a dope location. I always used to pass by there, you know, going to school, going to college, um, you know, and, and we're right there in the epicenter. We're right there, like, literally blocks away from the main drag and third ward on Scott Street. So 
we're grateful. We are definitely, uh, we don't take it for granted and we don't, you know, take it for slight. So a lot of people told us uh, when we told them where we were opening up to be right there on the campus of Texas Southern, to have U of H so close and even Yates High School. Um, a lot of people remember there used to be, shout out to the bookstores that came before us um, who laid the groundwork. There yes. was Amistad, was a bookstore for a long time and everybody who went to TSU back in the day, they talk about how, oh, there was Amistad bookstore. We used to go there and we used to hang out and we got all these books and so many things like that. And so to be able to bring that culture back to Texas Southern was really an honor for us, for the kids and the students to really have an opportunity to have a bookstore that they could access that was, you know, teaching with, that was an addition to what they were learning. Uh, so, yeah, so when it all came together, the location did pick us, uh, but it was definitely divine, we it will was. say. And yeah. it was for us, it was something we were like, let's carry on the legacy because uh, black bookstores, uh, BIPOC bookstores with, next to universities is a strong tradition and we're excited to be a part of that. You're absolutely right. I love the way y'all framed it right now. Yes, the location picked us, but what better location than the third ward that experiencing so much change that things are going on. It's uh, There's a rebirth of the third ward and it feels like y'all are a part of that. And you have institutions there in the third ward that have been there for years. Look, Cream Burger is one of my favorite joints <laughs> for Burger Point. You know, look, look, I'm down. Look, I, I, I was in the tray, okay? I, I know all about that. <laughs> Cream, Cream Burger is the real institution. We you all, already know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me just flaunting my third word credentials, okay? I'm just, I'm just like, like letting you know. You, you know, certified. You, yeah, yeah, I'm certified. You passed the test. And speaking of being certified, Jesus, we did meet you there on the west side. Now, you are going right now from a... Uh, it kind of pop up bookstores, but you also want to be a mobile retailer. Uh, I know we discussed yes. that a little bit, Jesus. Tell us a little bit about that and really maybe how people can even help you with that. So, yeah, you know, doing all these pop ups and whatnot, as David and Dara mentioned, people are always like, oh, where's your bookstore? Do you have a bookstore? And I was thinking about uh, brick and mortar for a while, but I, I really do love doing these pop ups. I, I love getting out, you know, to the community and whatnot. So, I figure what better way to do that than to, you know, maybe get like a little box truck or something, you know, a, a little FedEx truck and uh, just roll like that. Post up, meet the people where, where they're at, you know, uh, make it more accessible. It goes right in line with the whole donation thing for, for books. It makes it more accessible for people. I'm currently working on a GoFundMe for that. I will be launching that probably about Juneteenth-ish, do a show and go live with that. You know, feel free to... Support me, you know, Cash App, PayPal, whatever. Hey, hit me up on Instagram. Hey, you know, we want to donate. You. <laughs> I'm all for it because I'm all I'm all for y'all. You know, I want to be able to be more accessible to the community. They, they say, el que no habla, Dios no lo escucha. The person that doesn't speak, God doesn't listen. You got to speak up for that, man. And we're definitely going to do that. And if you're listening to the show right now or if you're on the podcast, we are going to have several links 
both for Class Bookstore and for King Gables, because we are trying to make this happen. You heard it here first, y'all, okay? We started the campaign for King Able Mobile Literacy Program on yeah. Juneteenth, all right? <laughs> That's where it's going to start right there, all right? And speaking of Juneteenth, I know Class Bookstore got some big plans for that to make sure that literacy is part of the celebration for Juneteenth. Uh, David, uh, Adara, what, what are y'all going to do for Juneteenth that's going to be, you know, that's going to combine literacy and let folks know like, hey, Juneteenth has all this history, but there's also a lot more going on. And you know what? Here are the books that you can read about it. Man, that's a great question. So we will be having a celebration at our brick and mortar shop, uh, 3803 Sampson Street, uh, right there on the corner of Sampson and Cleburne. We will be partnering with one of our favorite nonprofit organizations, Restoring Justice. Uh, they are a pro bono law. Uh, they basically are a, a, a collection of attorneys that come together and assist people with um, receiving justice. Um, and they've been doing it and they've been holding it down for the crown. Um, and so we're going to partner with them. And also uh, uh, Third Ward, one of the beautiful edifices, uh, churches, uh, Wheeler Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, is also partnering with us in this celebration. And so we're going to bring out poets. We're going to bring out spoken word artists. We're going to bring out uh, children music performers. And uh, of course, there's going to be story time. Uh, but we want people to understand and know that Juneteenth is here. It's a federal holiday now. It's finally recognized throughout this nation. And we want people to know uh, that we're here. And it's a beautiful holiday and we need to recognize it. And I love the fact that you're really focusing on celebration, right? Uh, you know, we, we know what Juneteenth is about, but let's make it a party. Let's make it una pachanga for everybody. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> let's come out. Let's celebrate. Because, like you said, th this is one of the – it's a federally recognized holiday, and it's a holiday that deserves to be recognized. There's not that many days for us. You know? so, so, so when we have these opportunities to celebrate, we definitely should celebrate. I'm really happy as well that, you know, we are highlighting Juneteenth uh, because of that, you know, a lot of people uh, maybe don't know what Juneteenth is. You know, it's a re relatively new holiday, federal holiday. It's not a new holiday, but a lot of people still are, you know, a little bit maybe confused or don't know. You know, and I'll leave this both to both of y'all to maybe help somebody that's listening in right now. What 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 is Juneteenth? You want to take? I was like, where you want to go? Y'all go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was like, we'll get it started. So, uh, so Juneteenth is a holiday. Uh, David and I, we've said we both are born and raised in Texas, so we've celebrated it all our life. I didn't realize it. There were people who didn't celebrate it. Um, I didn't know it wasn't a thing everywhere. But basically, um, after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, slaves were free in America by the Emancipation Proclamation, and they should have uh, been able to leave and do their thing but slaves in texas were not made aware of that proclamation for two years for two mm -hmm. years they were still in bondage enslaved people enslaved africans were still in bondage for two more years and they did not receive their freedom until june 19th when um the 
Union soldiers rode down to Galveston and uh, read that decree. And um, on June 19th, and it became a celebration and the people turned up. And because of that, and there are many traditions that go with it. You eat a lot of all things red, red food, um, red velvet cakes, hibiscus tea, a lot of traditions that come with it. Um, but it is, it's just a time to rejoice because honestly, when, when, we, when one of us is free, we all free. Right. So, you know, we ain't free till everybody free. Yeah. So we really, um, it's, it is a celebration for everybody. We should all be excited the same way we'd be out there barbecuing for 4th of July. Hello. Mm-hmm. Need to be barbecuing for Juneteenth. Hello. So, mm-hmm. Get your day from your people and uh, turn up. I love that you said that because the reason I asked you to tell us about Juneteenth was because I didn't even know about Juneteenth till I moved to Houston when I went to U of H. Mm-hmm. And again, to your point and to Jesus' point, you know, we weren't taught that history. And I'm here in San Antonio, and I didn't know anything about Juneteenth. And I went to U of H. And that's when I finally learned about Juneteenth and the importance of the holiday and what it really meant. And it was really strange, you know, like, why why do I not know this really important day in U.S. history? You know, why, why, why is this information withheld? And I think, again, going to the point that, you know, it's just not part of a curriculum, you know, and because that that's why Tony makes it such a big emphasis that we do need ethnic studies in our high schools, not just as a choice or as an elective, but actually as a part of a mandatory course for social studies, you know, and we're not just talking about Mexican-American history. We're talking about African-American history. We're talking about Asian-American history, indigenous history. And let students choose, hey, which history do you want to learn about? It may not even be the one that, you know, quote unquote, you you know, it's your history or whatnot, but it's all of our histories. And I love that you just said that there because it's so important that we learn from that. David, go ahead. No, I just was going to piggyback off what you just said, the fact that Juneteenth, like you like you coming from San Antonio didn't know that and you came to Houston, but the irony of you all having the largest MLK parades and celebrations in the entire country. You know, why is it that you wouldn't have that extra piece added on? Oh, by the way, this man is a black person and he descended from these people who were you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the irony, the glaring irony of that. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and uh, very proud that we do have the largest MLK rally, but we still got work to do in the schools, obviously. And I wanted to make one final point with Jesus regarding that when it comes to Afro-Latinidad and how that gets kind of, you know, pushed aside sometimes, you know, when it comes to Mexicanidad, when it comes to Latinos, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mexican folk, Mexican-American folks like myself, you know, we, we don't sometimes we don't recognize that third leg of the cultura that's there, you know, which is, you know, black folks. You know, so yeah. much of Mexico, Afro-Latinidad is such a real thing, but it's not really highlighted over here. And Jesus, did you I, I know that we talked about that a little bit. And your mission is to really drive home that point and really kind of mm-hmm. expose more people to that, you know, idea that, hey, and, and this is going to sound crazy maybe to other folks, but there's folks out there that don't know that there's actually black folk that speak Spanish, that there's black folk that are Afro-Latinos, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't understand that. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that being part of your mission. <laughs> it's funny, but not really to me because I, I still get that a, a lot. Like I said, I'm Puerto Rican, Mexican, and, you know, I'll go to a restaurant, you know, if, here in San Antonio, a Mexican restaurant, you know, go through a drive through order in Spanish and da-da-da-da, pull up to the window, and all of a sudden they're talking English, you know, speaking English to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
I just I just ordered in Spanish, you know. <laughs> but probably about maybe the past five, ten years or so, uh, Afro Latinos have been been highlighted a bit more. Still not to where I guess it should be because people are still what. Vicente Guerrero, I believe in Mexico, was Afro-Mexican president for like a small time there. You know, he was president of Mexico. You know, he was Afro-Mexican. There's a large population in Mexico that, you know, settled in Mexico and living in Mexico, speaking Spanish, you know, the culture and everything, dark as can be, curly hair and everything. But they still, people still don't recognize that. And it's not only in Mexico, it's, I mean, it's, it's everywhere, just like here in the States. The lighter complexion gets the gets the most attention in the Caribbeans and everywhere. You know, you see the darker people hardly ever get, you know, any mention of anything, even though they are part of that culture. They were born and raised there. It, it, we're here. Don't be surprised. <laughs> we we do exist. <laughs> always like to give my people, especially who are seeking to create connection between black and brown, is they came before Columbus. Mm. Yes, I have that book. Yeah, I have that yeah. book. <laughs> Great book. And that was yes. the book that started me on my self-knowledge journey, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. That just goes to show that as black and brown people, as we form our solidarity, then we understand, you know, like, hey, we got, you can't just shake hands and this. No, we got to learn. We really got to go out mm -hmm. there and read the histories and share and really do that cross-cultural exchange that we've been doing for quite a while, but it needs to continue happening. And and I want to end the note on just what you said, Jesus, right now. We here. I love that. I tell people <laughs> that all the time. We here, whether you like us or not, get used to it. We're going to be opening up our own bookstores, just like David and Dara doing. We're going to have our own mobile literacy campaign, just like Jesus is doing right there. All right. We're going to have our own radio shows. Okay. We're going to bring out our own people and get them out there. And we are here and we're going to continue doing these things. And even we're going to continue doing things, even if they ban us, even if they tell us we can't, even if they say, hey, you shouldn't. Hey, you don't have the resources. Hey, you know, this and that. We're not going to let that stop us. So I really appreciate both of y'all for coming on to the show. Before we sign off, though, I want to give both of you an opportunity to highlight your social media, the website, or anything that you know you want to give our listeners information to right now so they can reach out to you. And maybe, again, the biggest campaign that you got going on. I'll go ahead and start with Jesus. You can find me on Instagram at kingables.satx. I am on Facebook as well, but I'm not as active on there. You're Best shot is on Instagram. Email me at kingables.satx at gmail. Look for look for the GoFundMe for my uh, mobile vehicle so we can get these books distributed and into the hands of people you know that want to learn and uh, have that fire to read. That's what's up. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Jesus. Uh, David, what would you like to share with the audience before we go ahead and start signing off? So um, definitely uh, you can check us out uh, online, www.classbookstore.com. Uh, you can visit us on Saturdays and Sundays, Saturdays from 11 to 8, Sundays from 1 to 6. 
3803 Sampson is the address. Uh, our social media is all class bookstore. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channel, class bookstore. And um, what's our biggest campaign? We got Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Yeah. yeah, and Father's Day. Yes. Juneteenth and Father's Day. <laughs> Shout right out up. to the dads. Yes. So, yes. So, Juneteenth and Father's Day, get at us. And, yeah, never forget. Yeah, I'm going to have to make a road trip. Buy books, not cocaine. I love that. I love it. I love it. I know, I'm yeah, telling you, we have to collaborate. Hey, since you got to come down here, we we got to figure it out. We got to make that connection. Oh, most definitely. I'm I'm most definitely gonna have to go out there and check y'all out. I, I I would love to. And I love I and I hate the word synergy, but I'm gonna use it here. So please, <laughs> but the synergy that's going on right here, I love it. It's it's like we're in a virtual bookstore, right? And then yeah. they're just watching, and then here goes Jesus, and they're like, "Hey, you're a bookseller. I'm a bookseller. Let's hook up. All right, let's do it." You know. <laughs> But I, I love creating these connections, and it's so important that we show solidarity amongst all of our, all of us, because we all we got, we all we got. So many times we have to battle this system, this structure that's not really built for us. Yep. But we're gonna make it happen. And like Jesus said, we here, and we're gonna make that happen. And I appreciate both of y'all so much for joining us on the show today. Any any final parting words that y'all like to share before we go ahead and sign off? I just want to thank you for making this possible. I I really appreciate this. It is this was amazing. I love it. Final parting words: A hey, read books, read yes. more books. The knowledge is in the books. If you feel that you are not a reader, uh, man, check out King Gables. Audio check books. out Class Bookstore. <laughs> Let us change your mind. We just yes. feel that you have not found the book for you yet. But the knowledge is in the book. So please, please, please read. Read to your kids. Reading is important. And it's it's valuable. And we cannot lose it. Exactly. Oh, I, I, I think that's the best note to end off on. <laughs> no, no, no problem. And I appreciate y'all for the work that y'all are doing in the community. Y'all are literally book traffickers. Y'all are liberal traficantes. Getting the histories out there. Making sure that people have a choice from where to buy their books. But also what they read where they get those books from and making sure that our people, nuestra gente, get the histories that they're supposed to get. Uh, my name is Rodrigo Bravo. I am the guest host and filling in for Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. Uh, this has been Nuestra Palabra. We've been streaming on all of our live platforms right now. Please, if you find it in your heart, feel free to go to kpft.org, make a small donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers have their say so we can go ahead and continue this experiment and freedom of speech going. I want to thank everybody that's been watching. I want to thank our guests as well for coming along. Please follow us on our social media. We will be highlighting them on all of our platforms and really gearing up for the Juneteenth celebration that they're going to have. Looks like it's going to be a big party. I'm definitely going to be down there in Houston for this. King Abel is going to come with me too. We're going to do a little road trip hey, over go. there. Let's go. All right, that's let's it. It's already. <laughs> and we're going to meet up with Class Bookstore and we're going to make it happen. And we're going to distribute these books. We're selling books, not cocaine, not drugs, nothing like that. We're doing it. Yes. Everybody have a great day. This is Rodrigo Bravo Jr. for Nuestra Palabra. See you soon. <laughs>